Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. Happy Thursday. It's match day for the Gunners today. We're recording this ahead of the clash with West Ham United at Emirates Stadium this evening. If you want to catch our full preview of that game, it is the last video on the channel. If you're with us on YouTube and the last podcast on the feed, if you're an audio listener. So do go and check that out. You still got plenty of time uh, to consume that particular piece of content ahead of, of course, tonight's game. What I wanted to do on this episode, uh, it's a slightly shorter than normal episode. I just wanted to give you guys a breakdown of what we believe Arsenal's January transfer plans to be. Now, this was a piece that was put out in The Athletic yesterday by James McNicholas. I'm not just going to sit here and run off all the information uh, that James put in the piece. It's James's information. It's James's work. I'm not in any way, shape or form seeking to take credit for it. But I did want to share some thoughts on some of the points he's made, some of the stories that he's highlighted, some of the links in there. So we're going to do that. We're going to run through what James had to say in that piece over on The Athletic. And I'm going to share with you guys some opinions on those stories, as I say. So look, the January window is just days away from opening. And I think there are a lot of Arsenal fans that look at the side and think, you know, we are in good shape. We are probably in a better position than we were last season in terms of depth, in terms of our ability to cope with the absence of key players. I mean, we've been doing it all season. And up until this point last season, we we hadn't really faced too much of that. There were times where Partey was out because there always is. Uh, there were times where other players were out. We lost Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus. I don't know why I completely butchered his name there, but we lost him, didn't we? Um, of course, in the World Cup, which meant that post-World Cup, we were without him. So we did have troubles to deal with and troubles to cope with. But I think this season we've had way more injuries. Um, and thankfully, we've been in a better position to cope with those because of some of the business that Arsenal did last summer. And of course, prior to that, which has put the squad, I think, in better shape. But even still, you look at certain areas of this team and you think we are really, really light there. You know, the defence looks really light at the moment with Tommy Asu out, um, with Timber out, two players that are incredibly versatile and could cover you in pretty much any position across the back line. We're without them. And with Tommy Asu in particular, it seems to be an ongoing thing, right? This happens every season with Takahiro Tommy Asu. We lose him for significant periods. And I think as a team and as a club, we have to start to factor that in and take that into consideration when planning for the future. The same can be said of Thomas Partey. His absence for me means we're only one Declan Rice injury away from having a real big problem. And so that is an area that needs addressing as well. Now, there's been a lot of questions over the last few weeks about Arsenal's FFP situation. We've seen Everton be hit with really, really severe sanctions uh, with regards to that points deduction. We've seen them be really impacted that, although by that, you know, although they're going to be good enough, I think, to survive this year. Um, but 10-point deduction when you're in the hunt for a prize is, is not ideal, is it? It's not what you want. And Arsenal will be being really, really careful, of course, to stay on the right side of that line. Questions have been asked as to whether we can spend in January, as to whether we are able to go and push the boat out and get the type of players that are going to enhance and improve our squad, not just in the immediate short term, but beyond that as well. And I think there is a concern about the FFP situation at Arsenal, a concern that's been slightly eased, I think, over the last 
you know, few months. I think the club have been working really, really hard behind the scenes to try and put things into practice and into place that can help us and make the books look that bit healthier so that we can, if we find the right opportunity, go and get the players we need. I don't think this is a cash flow problem for Arsenal Football Club. I don't think we're in a situation where we're looking at it and we're going, well, we physically can't afford these players. I think we're in a position where we're sailing quite close to the wind with regards to FFP. And we've just had to kind of row our way backwards a little bit just to kind of reset things and get things in order ahead of then going full steam ahead into a January transfer window that could, in terms of our hopes of winning the Premier League, of going really far in the Champions League, could be so, so significant. Now, James McNicholas in this piece highlights that revenues have risen this season significantly and the Champions League has been a massive part of that. There's no question about that. Arsenal have been working really hard to bring their situation under control. And one of the ways in which they've been trying to do that is with all the contract extensions that we keep hearing about. The contract extensions mean that you are able to amortise uh, the cost of a player over a longer period of time. Now, we saw something come in recently. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that takes place, but that limits you to doing that over a five-year period. That's fine. You know, we're not doing a Chelsea here. We're not trying to amortise the value of players over the course of eight, nine years. You know, five years gives us a bit of wiggle room. And it feels as though now, according to James McNicholas, Arsenal are in a position where they do have a little bit of wiggle room. However, loan deals and I would say structured payment deals, deals where you kind of buy now, pay later, pay a little bit up front and obviously spread the cost over a number of years. Those are the most likely type of deals that Arsenal are going to be doing. And if anything at all, in January. So just have that in mind as we enter the window. We're not going to go out and spend £70 million up front on a striker. We're not going to go out and spend £70 million up front on a centre-back or a midfielder or a wide forward. It's just not going to happen given the situation the club are currently in. However, what James does go on to say is that the top priority is in defence. Now, for me, it's a toss-up between defence and midfield because I think we're equally short in both of those areas. Defensively, we're without Tomiyasu and Timber. That's two players that will be good enough to start. Um, and as I say, can cover a multitude of positions when fit and available. But then you look at the midfield and we're not that far off of that either. You know, yeah, we've got Jorginho. Yeah, we've got Elneny. But their level in comparison to Declan Rice, the, the drop-off is huge. Thomas Partey, can he be trusted? Can he be relied upon to stay fit? Even if he gets fit in the next couple of weeks, he's going off to AFCON for a little while as well. So, you know, that to me feels just as much of a priority. But James McNicholas does say that in Mikel Arteta's eyes and in the club's eyes at this moment in time, defence is the number one. I've mentioned that Timber's been missing all season. Um, what I can tell you is that he's not as close to a return as some have suggested in recent weeks. Now, that's not brand spanking breaking news right now. I think a lot of people are starting to figure that out and work that out, given A, the nature of his injury, how long he's been out for. You've seen pictures of him on the grass, but that doesn't mean he's anywhere near ready to go out onto the pitch and be fully competitive in a blood and thunder Premier League game. So we've got to bear that in mind. I've mentioned Tommy Asu's fitness is an ongoing concern. And the other thing I'd, I'd want to bring up is, is Jakub Kivior. Now, are people totally convinced by Jakub Kivior at this stage in his Arsenal career? I think as a centre-back, he looks fine. I trust him as a centre-back. I really do. I think he's calm. I think he's composed. I think he can put it about physically when he needs to. Um, 
I think he's he's really comfortable on the ball, which is something that Mikel Arteta looks for. I think he's got enough speed across the ground to allow us to continue playing the high line. It's not like last season when we brought um, Rob Holding into the team and everything went to crap, basically our plans. You know, we were trying to play high lines with a guy that just couldn't do it with all due respect to Rob Holding. I just, yeah, I, I think as a centre-back, I'm fine with Jakob Kivior. And I think he is obviously the third centre-back in this squad right now. Tommy Asu could play there when fit. Timber could play there when fit. And I think that's why Mikel Arteta was probably quite satisfied going into the season with just the one spare centre-back, given the versatility of those two, as I've mentioned. Ben White as well. I haven't even mentioned him. A centre-back naturally, really, isn't he? By trade. So I think, <clears throat> I think, sorry, um, I think we're okay with Kivior as a centre-back. Kivior as a left-back, though, I'm not sure about that. I'm really not. Whenever I've seen him play at fullback, I just haven't been convinced. Not in the offensive side of the game, in terms of the requirement that Mikel Arteta has for him to go into midfield, and not uh, defensively either, where I think, you know, yeah, okay, in those one-on-one physical duels as a centre-back, naturally, you'll be fine. But it's not easy to adapt to playing as a fullback, where you face a really different threat. You face people trying to take you on on the outside, run you down the line. You face people... Um, that are wanting to cut in onto their stronger feet, you know, uh, from wide positions. It's just a completely different ball game, And I think that's why Ben White deserves so much praise because I think he's made that transition almost seamlessly. Kivior maybe needs a bit more time. He hasn't had a great deal of games in that position, but I'm just not convinced about him as a fullback. So as a centre-back, fine. But we do need another defender. I think that's clear for everybody to see. Take it on to the midfield, um, which is obviously another area of concern. I mentioned Partey's going off to AFCON. Uh, Fabio Vieira's not fit at the moment. I think there are questions over Emil Smith-Rowe, whether or not he can come back in and be the player that we need him to be. And then you're talking beyond Rice and Odegaard and, and Havertz. You're talking El Nenis and Jorginho's again. And as I said right at the top, we are one Declan Rice injury away, you feel, from a really, really big problem. So that's why, for me, the midfield is is the number one just. I think it's really close between defence and midfield. Listen, going into January, in an ideal world, I'd have told you a month ago, yeah, we could do with another striker. We could do with an alternative option up front. But I just don't think that that can be anywhere near the top of the priority list at this moment in time. James McNicholas also goes on to, um, to highlight some names um, and with regards to long-term defensive targets, um, he's mentioned Nico Schlotterbeck of Borussia Dortmund, who I think fits the bill perfectly. He looks like someone physically who could come into the Premier League and do just fine, but he's also incredibly technically gifted, which I think is obviously a requirement for Mikel Arteta based on his insistence on Arsenal playing out from the back. Uh, Matthias De Ligt is another player that has been linked as well. Now, I love Matthias De Ligt. I think he's a great player. I really do. I think he's got so much potential. At Juventus, it didn't really work for him. And hence why they were allowing him to go to Bayern. Um, and at Bayern, he's done okay. I, I go back to his Ajax days and I thought this guy was on the trajectory to become maybe the best centre-half in world football. And okay, it's not been plain sailing for him since then. And he hasn't been as great as maybe people hoped he would be. But I really do still look at Matthias De Ligt and think there is one hell of a player in there. And if you could put him alongside a William Saliba or a Gabriel Magalhaes and with the right coach and with the right mentality in the right team, in the right system, I think if you can 
extract all the good that he has within him, you are onto one hell of a player. So I quite like the idea of Arsenal taking a bit of a gamble, a bit of a punt on Matthias Delict. It would be a bit like the Kai Havertz signing, wouldn't it? A player that clearly is supremely talented, but for whom it just hasn't worked out in recent times. So I'd, I'd be up for that one. But James McNicholas does go on to say that neither of those two deals would likely be done in January because of what they would cost and, um, and and all the rest of it. There's also interest in a young Ajax defender at 17 years old, Jarrell Hato. Um, I think from what I've seen, he looks pretty good to have captained Ajax this season. OK, they're at a bit of a low point at the moment, but to have captained that great club at the age of 17 years old is really, really something. And from what I understand, I think Arsenal are quite keen to get this deal done pretty soon because of the fact that he's only got 18 months remaining on his current deal. That was something I read the other day, um, that the deal doesn't have that much uh, to run on it. And I just want to double check that. Um, but that would put Arsenal in a obviously much stronger negotiating position than if the guy had, you know, five, six years. Yeah, date of contract expiry. Yeah, June uh, 2025. So he's got 2024 and half of... Um, uh, of 2025. So yeah, about about a year and a half to run. So that makes it one that Arsenal probably would like to do quite soon. He's been likened to Jurian Timber in a lot of ways and clearly Mikel Arteta thinks and thought that he fit the bill really, really well. So why wouldn't uh, Jarrell Hato be um, a good option as well? It does go on to say in this athletic piece though that the most likely um, outcome is that Arsenal do a short-term loan deal uh, bringing somebody in just to kind of plug a hole and be that backup and support to the existing defence in the hope that you can kind of just help us through it while we are working on getting Timber and Tomiyasu back to fitness. Moving it on to the midfield, uh, the Douglas Louise interest remains, according to James. Um, he also highlights Martin Zubimendi, a player that we've been linked with a number of times in the past, but who remains very, very committed to Real Sociedad. Would he leave mid-season in the middle of a Champions League campaign? I don't think he would. So this is another one that you're probably going to have to push to the summer. I don't think Douglas Luiz is impossible, by the way. I know people keep saying, well, Villa are flying. Why would they let him join us? But I think we could end up in a situation if Arsenal maintain and Villa don't. And obviously, I don't know how that's going to go. But you could end up in a situation where the player's going, look, guys, I want to make that move. And if he's agitating for the move, all of a sudden that deal becomes a lot easier to do. It'll be expensive, but it would be doable. Pedro Neto, uh, according to James, is also still of interest. But that is um, something that, again, is probably going to have to wait until the summer. Why? Because we've already highlighted and established that for Mikel Arteta, the priority list sits as follows. Defence number one, midfield number two attack number three. And the other thing discussed in the piece was the potential of Aaron Ramsdale leaving. Now, I don't think that Aaron Ramsdale will be allowed to leave in January. I don't think he should be allowed to leave in January because of how short that leaves us. I don't want us to be in a position where on top of fixing problem areas, we've got to go out and find a goalkeeper as well. So for me, um, that's one that I wouldn't allow to happen. I wouldn't sanction any deal for Aaron Ramsdale at this moment in time, I would wait until the summer. Then we can assess all the options. We can decide what's going to happen and, and it can be taken from there. But to do all of this in a January window, where, as we said on yesterday's show, things tend to be more reactive than proactive, I think would be 
a mistake and potentially giving ourselves too much to do. So um, defence is the number one, midfield the number two, attack the number three. And will Aaron Ramsdale still be a gooner come the end of the January window? I hope so. I really, really do. Look, I'm going to leave it there. This was just a short episode of the podcast. Just wanted to bring you up to speed with how the landscape lies ahead of the January window, which opens in a few days. Remember, we're going to be bring you full coverage of that window. We're going to have daily episodes where we're going to break down transfer targets. We're going to talk about um, the latest rumours and reports. We'll talk about other deals that might be going on elsewhere that could have some kind of knock-on effect on Arsenal. We'll do all of that. And on some days, we're even going to bring you two episodes as well. So I'm going all in on this January transfer window. Um, make sure you're along with us for the ride. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you're not already, make sure you leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. And if you're listening on podcast format, please do leave us a review. As for your questions, hold fire on them. We'll be back with another episode a little bit later on in the week, and we will take those for you. The podcast uh, post West Ham is going to be with you guys really late tonight. And the reason for that is because, as I mentioned yesterday, I am at a wedding all day tomorrow. Best man duties call, which mean um, that I won't be available to record a pod, but I'm not going to leave you without one. So I'll jump on tonight at about, I don't know, probably 11.30 by the time I get home from the Emirates and um, and we'll break it all down then. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'll catch you all very soon. Until the next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>